Thanks for joining us. To keep up with the latest news and podcasts, visit www.propelchurchaz.com. Now get ready for a great message from Pastor Jason. So good to see you. I encourage you to pull out your Bibles, pull out your outlines. If you would, silent your phone at this time. If it's already silenced, just you're not a distraction. Those around you, you can go to YouVersion to get the notes if you like. And uh, we're going to conclude our series today. We've been in the last couple months. And, and even though we're going to finish the series, we're going to look at another name of God. But I want to encourage all of us to continue to draw closer to the Lord through learning through studying, through applying the different names of God uh, to our lives because that's how we know who our God is. That's how we know him and understand his nature and character and how he reveals himself to us personally. And so I encourage you to do that and I can always give you further resources. You can always Google the names of God and as long as they're scriptural and biblical references there, um, I, I encourage you to do so and just to do a deeper dive in studying his name. And so today we're going to look at his name, Jehovah Shammah, which means the Lord is there. Jehovah Shammah, which is the Lord is there. And we see this name in Ezekiel forty-eight thirty-five, where we understand from the book of Ezekiel that the prophet Ezekiel had been sent by God to confront Israel of their sin and stubbornness towards God. And because of their stubbornness or lack of obedience to God, the Lord had removed his presence from the temple. And we know that eventually uh, in scripture, God restored his presence to the temple, but in closing his book, Ezekiel prophesies about the details of future Jerusalem, the Jerusalem that we have not seen yet and what it will be like in the future. And so I want to look at that in this morning in the context of this passage of Jehovah Shammah. And so in the last verse of the book of Ezekiel, the very last verse, this is what he closes with and where we see the name Jehovah Shammah. It says in verse 35, the distance all around Jerusalem will be 18,000 cubits. And the name of the city from that time on will be the Lord is there, which is Jehovah Shammah in Hebrew. So what Ezekiel is trying to say or communicate to us about the future Jerusalem or the future name of Jerusalem is this. The city will not be named because of its beauty, but because the presence and the glory of God will be there continually. There's a difference. Jerusalem will not be known as the old Jerusalem, but will be known as the place where the Lord lives and rules. Now, obviously, even this year in current news, there's been some interesting things happening, even from our president moving the U.S. embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Why? Because he recognizes it, or we recognize it as a nation as the capital city where all Jews, including Palestinian Jews, live there. We know from scripture it's the holy city. We know it's where Jesus is, is going to eventually rule and reign. We're going to look at that in just a few moments. So I think it's interesting, in fact, just the timing of that because there's been other presidents that have talked about moving our embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. But it happened this year, and this year Israel is, seven, is celebrating their 70th year as a nation, which is very interesting in and of itself. As we know, as even scripture tells us that a generation is considered 70 years. 
So there's a lot of interesting things going on. God is at work. He's at play. Jews have been returning to Israel for the last 70 or so years. And so God is up to something. And in context of looking at Jerusalem, again, it's not going to be known as the old Jerusalem or the way we see Jerusalem today, but it will be known as a place where Jesus lives and rules. It will be the city where the presence and glory of God physically are in that place. It's not a description of the city, but instead the reality of who is in the city is what Ezekiel is prophesying here. The Lord is there. He's Jehovah Shammah. He's going to rule and reign in that place. And I mean, just imagine what it will be like when Jesus rules on the earth. Come on now. We've been longing for this. All of creation, all of years, the ages that we have been in, in existence have been longing for this place, that we're all going towards this goal. And his glory, his power, his presence were, we will be able to rule and reign with him as believers. To be able to see Jesus face to face, to literally be in his presence, because it will be everywhere. And this is why Ezekiel prophesied that Jerusalem would be called Jehovah Shammah, or the Lord is there. And we can see all the way back in Genesis that God's desire has always been to dwell with his people. That's right. That's always been his intention. From the beginning, that's why God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. Because he wanted to dwell with them. He wanted to be with them. He, he wanted to spend time with them. God has always been about the relationship with his creation in mankind. He's always been about the fellowship with mankind. He always wanted to dwell with his people. And it's because of sin that caused distance between us and God. We know that from scripture. But sin couldn't even prevent us from having a relationship with God. Because God made a way through Jesus so that we could be forgiven of our sin and that he came to set us free from a life of sin. Did you know that? Jesus didn't come just to forgive us of our sin. He came to set us free from a life of sin. Wow, man, a couple people are excited about being forgiven of this sin this morning. And through the Holy Spirit, we know, who is deposited on the inside of our lives, God is able to dwell in us. I'm I'm trying to connect all the dots for us this morning, so you gotta stay with me for the next few moments, okay? So God lives in, in, in us individually as believers. We know that. Wherever we go, the Lord is there with us. He is with us. He dwells in our midst as a church. Every time we come together as a church, the Lord is here. His presence, his power, his authority, his anointing is here with us physically and spiritually in this room. He's alive in the body of Christ at large around the world because he dwells in his people. And all of this is possible because of what Christ did for us on the cross. And so God dwells in us to have a relationship with him and to become more like Christ. But according to scripture, God's eventual purpose is for us to dwell with him. He's dwelling in us, but he wants us to dwell with him physically, to dwell with Christ. And that's what Ezekiel was communicating to us, that the Lord is there. He's going to be ruling and reigning in Jerusalem, and his glory, his presence, his power will be seen and heard and known by all in that city. 
Now I want to share some of the scriptures that testify to this fact that Jesus will one day dwell with his people. And the first is found in Psalm 102, verses 15 and 16. It says, the nations will fear the name of the Lord. All the kings of the earth will revere your glory. For the Lord will rebuild Zion and appear in his glory. So these two verses tell us that one day the nations as a whole are going to fear the name of the Lord. They're going to submit to the name of Jesus as Lord over all. And all kings of every nation, all those in authority will, will revere or respect God's glory. Because God is going to rebuild Zion, which is another name for Jerusalem. Zion is a name for Jerusalem, and he will appear, it says, in his glory. So Jesus is going to rebuild Jerusalem. He's going to show up, and he's going to appear in his glory, and he's going to rule and reign within that city, is what this scripture is saying. This is what Zechariah prophesied in chapter 2, verses 10 through 13. It says, Shout and be glad, daughter Zion, or daughter Jerusalem, for I am coming, and I will live among you, in quotes, declares the Lord. Many nations will be joined with the Lord in that day and will become my people. I will live among you and you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. The Lord will inherit Judah as his portion in the Holy Land and will again choose Jerusalem. Be still before the Lord, all mankind, because he has roused himself from his holy dwelling. So Zechariah here is prophetically saying to the city of Jerusalem to be excited, to get ready for the coming of Jesus who will live in Jerusalem, is what Zechariah prophesied. And he tells us here that when this happens, many nations or people from all nations will become the Lord's people and will join him in that city. Will join him in ruling and reign. And even he encourages and reminds Israel here that God has not forgotten about them. He's, he's trying to let them know that it's not just about all the Gentiles coming. He's saying God has not forgotten about his chosen people. Israel, and that he's going to give them the inheritance and the blessing and the promises that he has promised from the beginning. They're going to receive that. And so these passages in Ezekiel, Psalms, and Zechariah are speaking about when Christ comes to reign in the millennium, where he will rule for a thousand years here on earth in Jerusalem. Now, for those of you that maybe don't if you've never heard the word millennium or you don't understand what that means, obviously it stands for a thousand years, but in scripture it talks about how Christ will come back and rule the earth for a thousand years. Now just to give you a little bit of context of what scripture clearly tells us about some of the time frame and the different ages that we're in. So at some point we know that Jesus is going to come back for his church. He's going to rapture his church. He's going to take all the believers to heaven with him. And then it says in scripture that there's going to be a seven-year time frame of a tribulation. And because God has removed his people, he's removed his presence from the face of the earth, literally all hell is going to break loose during that time. And the Antichrist is going to come to power and rule the earth for the seven years. And we know that the coming of nations and there's going to be talk of peace, but in all reality, it's, all, it's going to be everything but peace. That's right. During that time. And God's judgment will come on the earth during that time. At the end of the seven years, Jesus is going to come back again to set up his rule and reign for a thousand years here on the earth. And when he comes back, he's going to take the Antichrist and he's going to put him in the gates of hell forever. And he's going to bind up the devil for a thousand years while Jesus rules and reigns here for that thousand years. 
And that's what these scriptures are alluding to and prophesying and telling us that Jesus is coming. Not only to take his church back, but at some point for a thousand years, he's gonna rule and reign during that millennium. And after this point, we know from scripture and the book of Revelation that God will create a new heaven and a new earth. And here's what it says in Revelation 21, verses one through four. It says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. So we know from this scripture that not only are there, is there gonna be a new heaven and a new earth, including no sea or no oceans from what this scripture is telling, telling us, but there will be a new Jerusalem. God will prepare a new Jerusalem for all those who accepted Christ and have believed in him to rule and reign with Jesus forever in the new Jerusalem. Makes sense, right? Yeah. You all with me? Yeah. Okay. We're cutting through a lot of time here in scripture to get to the points and to the facts here what I'm trying to point out. So we see that Jesus will reign in the new Jerusalem. Yep. He's physically, literally gonna reign in the new Jerusalem. This passage says he will be with his people. He's gonna be with us. God himself will be with us and will be our God. We're gonna live with Jesus forever. For all eternity, we will be with him. Which Josh had mentioned earlier just a few moments ago that it's hard for our minds and brains to wrap around eternity because there is no end. God's timing is so different than our timing. And with eternity, we always have a starting time with our life. We were born at a certain time and there'll be a certain time when we leave this earth unless Christ comes back for us first. But there's not gonna be any more death mourning, crying, or pain for all of that will pass away. And we can all say amen to that, right? We're already done and fed up with it here on earth, right? That's why people are looking for answers to sicknesses and diseases because they're all fed up. They're fed up with the earth. And that's why we're all into recycling and, and, and hug your local tree today in your neighborhood because we got to save the earth. Well, you guess what? God tells us that that earth is going to pass away. This earth is going to pass away at some point. I'm not saying we should go and trash the earth. That's not what I'm saying. Don't read between the lines. Don't say, my pastor told me I can go out and litter and do all these other things. That's not what I'm saying here. I'm just saying God has a different plan. That's right. That's right. That's and we're going to live in perfection for those of us that have accepted Christ and live for him. That's right. Those, those of us that have accepted Christ in our hearts and lives, not only as our Savior, but as our Lord. Our master and ruler. We're going to live with him forever and live in perfection. And so now at this point, maybe you're thinking, okay, I get it. I understand that the Lord is going to live with us. He's going to dwell in Jerusalem for a thousand years and then forever in the new Jerusalem. I get the name Jehovah Shammah, but how does that apply to me? I understand that the Lord is there eventually in the future in that city. How does this apply to my life and my situations? How does this apply to the trials that I go through that I'm currently walking in in my life? How does this apply to me? Well, that's a great question that you ask. You guys are so brilliant. 
I appreciate your intelligence. And I want to give you the answer now for the rest of the message of how this applies to us and Jehovah Shammah, the Lord, is there. Look with me what it says in the familiar verse of Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. And maybe this is one of your favorite verses in the Bible. It could even be your life verse for your life that you've applied. I know a lot of people have taken this verse and said, this is for me, for my life. It really is for all of us. But I want to look at it again from the context of God is Jehovah Shammah. Jeremiah wrote, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. We know that verse. We've heard that verse. And since God is Jehovah Shammah, since he is the Lord that is there for our lives, we must understand that God is already in our future. That's right. That's right. Amen. I want that just to sink in for a few moments. God is already in your future, meaning we just talked about how Ezekiel prophesied and Zechariah prophesied, and John was writing in the book of Revelation from Jesus appearing to him, and how the Lord is going to rule and reign physically here on the earth and then in the new Jerusalem, meaning God has a plan for the end of the world, That's right. meaning God has already worked all the details out. For the end of the world. Yep. Right? Yep. We're all on the same page there. Yep. We can read through the end of the Bible and we can see that God has a specific plan and a purpose. Now, we may not know all of the details. Right. We know some of the details through Scripture. But we do know and can be assured that God has a plan for, throughout the end of the world and then for all of eternity. That's right. yeah. sure. He has a plan. God is already there in this city. <clears throat> meaning God is already in our future. And so before we even get to our tomorrow, God is in our tomorrow. Before you wake up tomorrow morning, before you get to tomorrow, God is already in your tomorrow. Why? Because God is sovereign and he's everywhere at the same time. Now he's with us here in this moment as individual believers. He's with us here as a church. He's in our midst. We've just talked about that. He's with every single believer around the world today at the same time. He's with them because he's everywhere. But he was in our yesterday, he's in our today, and he's in our tomorrow. That's right. That's good. He's already in your future, meaning God is already in your next week. Yep. He's already in your next year. What's coming ahead? He's already there. And so many times we become anxious. So many times we become worried. So many times we become fretful over what is ahead. And we look at our calendar and we see some upcoming date and we're We're wondering what that's going to be like or what's going to happen in that moment or where's my life going in this moment or I have this doctor appointment coming up and I don't know what the diagnosis is going to be. Or when we get that diagnosis, we, we, it's not what we hope for and so we begin to fret and wonder like what's next? What's going to happen to me? Is my health going to be there? Maybe it's our kids' future and we're worried about them. And we're, we're up at night late praying for them and concerned about their future. Maybe it's a source of income and our job isn't stable at the moment. And we're wondering, is my job going to be there? Am I going to get up tomorrow, try to go to work, and my job is going to be terminated? Am I going to have income to provide for my family? Will my relationships be strong in my life for the long haul, for, for my life? And... 
no matter what we try and look towards in the future, no matter what we have on our calendars, no matter what concerns us down the road, many times we worry and we're afraid because of the unknowns or the uncertains in life, right? We all, we all have those things. But one thing I know for sure is that God is already in your future. He's already there. He's, already, he's Jehovah Shammah. He's already got a plan for your life. He already knows your future because he's Jehovah Shammah, and which really means that he's already got it worked out. So you don't need to worry. Amen. Scripture says don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything. That's right. But with thanksgiving and supplication before God, present our requests before God. Amen. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't be concerned. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't pray. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't bring our requests before the Lord. It just means that we don't have to worry and live in fear and fret in our entire life because God's already got it worked out. Amen. Amen. He's already in our future. Right. In fact, Jesus told us we don't have to worry about tomorrow. Right. He said in Matthew chapter 6 that there are many things that we worry about. We worry about what we're going to eat. We worry about what we're going to drink and what clothes we're going to wear. He was saying that and trying to communicate to us that we worry about so many things in life when our Heavenly Father, he says in this chapter, that already knows what we need. Yeah, that's right. He's Jehovah Shammah. He's already there. He knows our needs, but instead of trusting him, instead of keeping God first, we tend to focus on worrying. In our life. And that's why then Jesus went on in verses 33 and 34 of Matthew 6 to say, But seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And everybody can say amen to that. Each day has its own challenges, is what Jesus was saying. And it'll take care of itself if we just seek God first. And so since the Lord is already in our future, since he already has our problems worked out, I mean, there's nothing new in our life that life may throw us a curveball and we're taken off guard, but yet God has already known that. And he's already got that worked out. It doesn't take him by surprise to go, oh, wow, man, I had a plan for their life. This has just come up. I don't know how, how are we going to get past this? That just messed up my entire plan. That's not the way God thinks. Amen and hallelujah. Because he knows all, because he knows from the beginning to the end, he's already in our future, he already has it all worked out. So we don't need to worry and stress and fret over all those things that throw us a curveball in life. Instead, we just need to focus on putting and keeping God first, Jesus said, in every area of our life to seek his, his righteousness which means to follow God in complete obedience to him, and then all the other things that we're concerned about, all the other needs that we have will be given to us by our Heavenly Father. That's right, amen. He gave us a simple, clear plan to combat worrying. In other words, God will work out all the details of our life if we seek and keep him first in our life. Jesus said, tomorrow's gonna work out. Don't worry about tomorrow. So just do what we're supposed to do in seeking God today. And then tomorrow, we're supposed to seek God tomorrow. And so on and so on and so on. And that's how we live our life, submitted to Jesus as Lord over our life because our Heavenly Father knows what we need. And so we have to live in this mindset that God already has my situation worked out because he's already in my future. That's why Jeremiah said, God knows and has plans for us. 
Since God is the creator of our lives and he's already in our future, that means he already knows the plans that he has for our future. He already has laid them out. He's got it mapped out for each and every one of us in our lives. So you don't need to worry. You don't need to fret. Think about that. God has a plan for your life and for your future. He's always had that before you were even born. And he still has that today. He's already worked out the details so that when you come to that point of what's next, it may surprise you and you may be wondering, okay, now what, God? Don't worry. God's already got a plan. He's already mapped it out. And he's gonna show you, he's gonna lead you, he's gonna reveal himself to you in that way because he's already in your future. He's already in that intersection of life where you're going, okay, God, which way do I go now? He's already there. And he's gonna give you the green light of where to go. And so we don't have to fear or be anxious because he knows the plans. In fact, he's the creator of the plans that he's placed before you and he's worked out the details. And so when it comes to sickness in life, when it comes to financial need, when it comes to the situation with your child or or your marriage or any other relationship or any need that we may have, God already has it worked out. He's already worked it out. So instead of worrying or fretting and losing sleep and losing focus, we can't worry about tomorrow next week or next year or the years after that and we just need to walk in the peace of God that keeps us by trusting and knowing that he's worked out every detail in advance because he's already in our future. This is good. I'm connecting the dots through the Lord this morning. So, And not just this, but God is working on the good things that he has in our future. God just doesn't have a plan and he's like, okay, well, there's some mediocre plans and mediocre things. No. God only gives good gifts to his children, scripture says. Meaning he only has good plans, good things in store for you. God's plans are to prosper us and not harm us, it says. He has good things in the works, already in work, already in motion for your tomorrow, for your next week, for next year, and for the years to come. God is constantly trying to set you up for success. He is. That's who he is. And he's given us a hope through Christ to know that he will always be with us and will never leave us. And Jeremiah said that he's given us a future. Meaning God has our life mapped out. He has great things in mind for us to do and accomplish. And if he's got a master plan for each and every one of us already laid out, don't you think he's going to cover all the details to get from point A to point B? And then to point C and so on? Don't you think that when the enemy fights against us, God's going to come and deliver and rescue us? Don't you think that when something negative happens to us, we find ourselves in another trial, that God already has it covered? He does. And yes, we may have to walk through the trial, but God will protect us and has worked out the details because he only has good things in store for us or for our benefit. I want to encourage, remind us of what David said in Psalm 40, verse 5. He said, Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds or actions, they would be too many to declare. In this passage, God had delivered David out of a slimy pit, it says, or out of a difficult situation like, like he being stuck in the mud as the illustration, allegorical. 
And he says, David, David said here that God put him, took him out of the mud, out of the slimy pit, and put him on solid ground or caused him to have a stable foundation in the Lord. And then David is worshiping here in this psalm to the Lord by reminding us that many are the wonders of God. Meaning, there's so many wonders, there's so many marvelous things that God has done. In fact, that word wonder here means wonderful or marvelous deeds or actions. It means something extraordinary or difficult has been done or accomplished, specifically in our lives and for us. And not only that, but there are too many times God has done wonders in our lives. David says there are too many things, there's too many things that God have done, has done, or there's so many things that God has planned for us that we can't even speak about all that he's done and planned. We can't even count them all up. Because God loves us so much and he continues to pour out his love and lavish on us with his love and all the good things, all his provision and the plans and purposes that he has for our life. Because that's who God is. I want you to be encouraged today, church, that God has been faithful and will continue to be in all that he has in store for us. Including you personally. God has been faithful in our lives. He's done amazing and marvelous things within us. And we've been able to experience great things through what he has planned for our lives. But God's not finished with us yet. In fact, if you're still living and breathing, we still have a life to live. We still have many things in store for us or ahead of us that God has mapped out and planned out for us to accomplish. Doesn't matter what age we are, there are still things for us to do. In God's will and timing. And he still has good things in store for our lives that we may not even know yet about. We may think we have figured it out and we've arrived at our destiny and this is what I was called for, but yet there are still other things that God has not shown you yet or revealed to you at this moment in time that are still coming. Because that's the God that we serve. He wants to continually pour out his goodness and good things, and plans and purposes for our lives. And so we must continue to pursue and trust the Lord because his wonderful deeds and love towards us, along with the plans he has for our life, will continue because we serve a faithful God. That's right, amen. He's faithful. He's faithful to complete what he's started. And we don't have to worry about tomorrow because God is already in our future. In fact, as Jehovah Shammah, whatever we face, God is already there waiting for us. That is such a, a comforting thought. Amen. That no matter what we go through here on earth, no matter what we walk through, no matter the trials, the tribulations, and we know we're going to have them, Jesus said from Scripture. But God is already there waiting for us at that intersection, at that moment on our path. When we encounter those things, God is already there waiting for us, saying, Here I am. You don't have to worry. You may not see all of what's up ahead but I've got this. I have this covered. I've created you with a plan and a purpose even before you were born. I have a master plan. I'm already in your future. I've worked out the details. You just need to trust me. You You need to walk with me because I'm Jehovah Shammah. I'm already there in your life. It doesn't matter what we go through, no matter what we face because he's already there waiting for us. We can have the confidence and assurance, church, that no matter what we face, no matter what we go through, no matter what's up ahead on our path, that God is already there waiting for us. He already has the plan worked out. He already has it figured out because he's God. 
and he loves us. And if he already has the end of the world figured out in creating a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem, and Jesus is going to reign there, and we're going to be with him. If he already has all of those things figured out, which he does, then it's not too difficult to have everything worked out in our lives. Because he's already there. And our lives is Jehovah Shammah. That's who our God is. I hope you've been encouraged not only today by today's message, but by this series. And the whole purpose I feel like in the Holy Spirit leading me to preach this series with a couple of other people that have helped in this series to preach and teach, but in my spirit, I just felt like the Lord wanted to encourage us to know our God better. And we may have heard these names, we may have studied these names, but we need to be reminded of who our God is. I think it's so important, again, for us as believers to know the names of God because we can understand who his nature is, what his character is, and he reveals himself to us personally. Why? So that we can walk out what he's called us to walk out. That he's with us, he's not forsaken us. He's in our today, he's in our tomorrow. And no matter what we go through, God will be there all the way through until Jesus comes to take us back home with him because he's faithful. That's who our God is. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes?